Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. Every single portfolio company has different needs. Um, we, we invest in companies at, at seed and series A typically, and the problems that they're dealing with can be starkly different. Um, and in some instances, you may invest in, with a founding team that have done it before. So um, they, can, they can work out certain problems themselves. Um, big part of the assistance that we provide our portfolio company founders is um, access to our trusted network and, and community. Fantastic to be back with you here, as always. I just want to start by expressing my gratitude for our podcast supporters and recent promotional package clients who have really helped us fast track the move to podcast sustainability. If you want to support the podcast, you can become a Supercast member and enjoy some great perks each week or take up one of the few remaining promotional spots on the podcast for this year and reach our growing global audience. Our promotional packages enable us to amplify support for all the amazing purpose-driven work happening out there that is having a positive social impact, and in doing so, it means we can break even and preserve our sustainability. More on this in the show notes. We are, of course, proud to be sponsored, as always, by the great folk at Neon Treehouse, who are still the best digital agency on the planet Earth and have the right solution for any and all of your digital needs. To learn more, just hit the link in our show notes. Creole are the official drink of Humans of Purpose, and their delicious healthy sodas are ideal for those looking for a bubbly and refreshing alternative to sugary sodas, or just a break from the booze in general. You can get a great deal on Creole purchases, just check out the details in our show notes to learn more. This week, I am thrilled to welcome Will Richardson to the podcast. It's only taken me about four years to get Will on the podcast, and this may have happened as a result of peer pressure following multiple appearances from other amazing Giant Leap team members to date, including the ever-inspiring Rachel Yang and the pioneering Adam Milgram. Will is the managing partner at Giant Leap. Giant Leap are Australia's first 100% impact venture capital investment firm. Will and the team at Giant Leap are backing mission-driven founders solving the world's most pressing problems. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Will as much as I did. What a thrill. It's only taken me four to five years to entice this wonderful young man, Will Richardson, to join me on the podcast. Welcome, Will. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. Um, and, and look, I'm flattered that you call me young. I'm, I'm 41 now, but um, I'll, I'll take that. I hear the 40s, the new 30s, just saying. Uh, look... I have to say, my 40th birthday, I feel like it was the first time I felt like I was comfortable in my own skin at my own birthday. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Like um, I was saying to someone at the gym yesterday, like, guys, our brains only stop forming at 26, and I think we only start to know ourselves at 32 or 33. Yeah. Um, and I'm 37, and I'm, I'm still – I'm not at Will Richardson levels yet, so <laughs> it's a work in progress, but hopefully we get there. Um, mate, great to have you here. Um, in the time that we kind of started talking about this – uh, Rachel Yang has been in a couple of times, had Adam Milgram. So getting the whole Giant Leap family finally in the studio is just like a real treat for me to complete the set. Yeah. Um, look, I, I can't say enough about how much um, I love and care for my incredible colleagues. Um, it's just a real delight to work with them every single day and be, to be challenged by them. 
And um, to be able to work on something where we're excited every single day to get out of bed to do stuff together. You are some of the most jacked, full of excitement people I've ever seen. When you when you when you and the other two walk into the uh, co work space at the Commons, I'm just thinking, oh, these guys are on a mission. I love it. It gets me pumped up. Um, look, let's kick off with our um, typical humans of purpose uh, opening. Um, can you hear a little bit about your life and career journey? Um, take me back as far as you want to go, and just talk about your entry, um, maybe all the way into the investing impact investing space. Sure. So I think I'll I'll start out by saying. Um, I ended up getting the job I always wanted and the one I thought that I would retire from. Um, I must have been, I don't know, 25, 26. So I was working in private equity and um, everything, I sort of had the trappings of what was meant to be an end end state where I'd be happy and fulfilled. Um, so I had um, a beautiful partner, fiance at the time, who was my high school sweetheart, um, the job, you know, the tailored suits and um, shiny shoes, shiny shoes, all that stuff. And it just became harder and harder to get out of bed every day. And um, all of the things that I thought I had under control um, started collapsing one by one. So my health started to fade. I started blacking out. Um, Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Panic attacks or? I don't even know if it was a panic attacks, but – I was at a, I was at a impact investment conference um, at RMIT, and there was a session about um, what makes you come alive. Like that was the the, the provocation in a, in a um, session on happiness. And um, after the event, I was doing some journaling, like writing down what makes me come alive. So this is when I was working in, in private equity firm. All of a sudden, sitting at this bar, I just um, blacked out. And the bartender had seen that that was taking place and had caught me and laid me on the ground. And that that was the point in time where I'm like, shit, something's wrong. And um, subsequently my relationship broke down um, and it was, it was this moment um, of existential malaise where I'm like, I've got nothing to lose. Um, let's get out into the world and see what alternatives exist. And that propelled me and look I just have to state how incredibly lucky and privileged I am like I had um, the means to be able to um, travel around Australia and travel around the world to find the groups that were most inspiring to me um, and and so I did that um, I, I ended up at some pretty um, incredible places like a think tank in a castle overlooking Lake Geneva um, <laughs> and the Desert, the cli- the cliche, the desert of Burning Man. I went in School of Life in London. You were Burning Man? Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And um, what happened was this confluence of um, events where three different groups introduced me to small giants. And the reason they introduced me because I was trying to discover um, who was out there um, trying to address positive social environmental change through capital. And this was before the term impact VC um, had been coined. Um, so it was everything was a lot more murky. Um, but basically three different groups introduced me to small giants, um, which is uh, the family office of Danielle McGore and Barry Libman, and I joined the Impact Investment Group as their first uh, employee and... Um, in 2016, had the immense 
again, privilege to have their support uh, along with 80 other, 89 other, 88 other investors to launch Giant Leap, which um, has the purpose of backing mission-driven founders um, who are solving the world's most pressing problems. And really what we're trying to do was um, obviously build the evidence set to say investing for positive social impact um, is a good thing and, and it works. But what we're also trying to do is demonstrate to the community more broadly that um, you can build these businesses, they're great places to work, um, to provide hope and optimism in a world where it can be really confronting. Um, yeah. Wow. What an introduction. I kind of can't stop thinking about the Castle Geneva think tank. <laughs> Maybe you can uh, hook me up with an email and we'll do a cheeky little visit out that way sometime. Um, so you spent some time at IIG, keen to understand a bit about some of the key lessons you learned there, but then mm. also some of the rationale for taking Giant Leap out of IIG, which is also quite a big move. Yeah, so um, in terms of the second part of the question, um, in uh, March in 2020, Danny and I had a conversation about where the right home for Giant Leap was now that we had basically built the evidence set around our um, our thesis. And he said that um, he supported what we were doing immensely and he wanted us to succeed and he felt like the best way to do that was to let us spread our wings. So we undertook – so Adam, Rachel – um, Charlie and myself effectively bought out um, Giant Leap and we're our own investment firm now, um, continuing with the support of Danny and Barry who are investors and Danny's an advisor, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, and what it's meant is that we've been able to double down on our on our focus and our attention. Um, so we've recently hired um, Hannah in Sydney to the investment team and Charlotte in Melbourne um, to help out in operations, um, and we're just really going for it, Mike. Like we've um, raised fresh capital. Um, we've made another four investments into some unbelievably incredible startups. Um, and, yeah, just loving loving um, being completely focused on, on our mission. It's fascinating. And I, I think if you were to do like one of those um, Google Trends charts of the use of impact investing over time, maybe going back to 2014 to today, uh, even, you know, 2012 to today, you'd see some immense differences and you sort of, sort of see like a bit of a spike upwards and, you know, now impact investing feels like it's every second um, sentence yeah. or whatnot. Um, maybe if you can just speak to some of the changes in that mm -hmm. sort of uh, ecosystem and, and the climate for impact investing um, in Australia when you started out, yep. um, during your time at IIG, and then even in the past few years at this Giant Leap Fund, sort of how things are evolved and what's the literacy like around what impact investing means and its potential to uh, drive change. Yeah, so um, the conversations we had in the early days were very much about just introducing the concepts themselves um, to both investors and to the founders that we were looking to invest in. So um, while I was at IIG, we... Um, invested into a business called Car Next Door, so Australia's leading peer-to-peer -peer, um, car sharing service, which has subsequently um, been really successful and exited. And another example of um, why impact startups are um, the way of the future in our view. 
Um, but back then when we were speaking to Will um, and telling him that we saw him as uh, an impact founder and that he was building an impact business, he was like, oh, what, what does that mean? I love the compliment. I just don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. So um, we actually um, brought Will together with a whole bunch of other um, founders in our portfolio and um, it, it enabled him to um, see that there was really a community, a movement, and um, he, he was a leader in this area without even knowing it. Um, so I think think what's happened like in the early days, we, we were just tr- trying to have these conversations to open people's minds to the idea of um, creating change through, through their capital or creating change through their businesses. And, um, yeah, as you say, today um, you've got Larry Fink from BlackRock um, sort of making the pointed remark that there's an expectation that all businesses have like a, a social license and um, need to pull on levers to address climate change and social inequality and so on. So um, the world, the landscape's completely changed. And it's almost like that 100% turn even from the furthest on the capitalist um, side of things from that Milton Friedman statement around companies' only responsibility is to return profits to shareholders. Exactly, exactly. And, and like, it's really... Um, for me, I just I just love seeing, um, you know, mums and dads and um, individuals making decisions that around you know what they consume and where they put their super and um, who they buy their electricity from. That they are starting to um, make more complex decisions and considering the, the the social or environmental impact of what they're doing. Um, and you can sort of see how that's proliferated, can't you? Like, I mean, even someone like myself. Um, I spend too much time probably thinking <laughs> about where my super is and making sure that money um, in all its forms is used towards purpose where possible. Um, but it seems like that's becoming more and more regular. Yeah, and I think it's a convergence of um, different elements that yeah. are taking place. So I think you've got the rise of the conscious consumer. I think you've got regulators who um, who are shining a light on, on what's important. Um, you've got... Um, individuals in, in who are decision makers in different organisations that are, are, are showing leadership. Um, and on another side, like you've got litigators. So um, you've got big litigation funded um, class actions holding directors to account for not taking into account. Understanding of um, ESG returns and risk as well would be yeah, a big definitely, one. Definitely. Um, Maybe let's jump back to Giant Leap. I'd love to understand a little bit more about the mission and mm-hmm. what you actually do on a day-to-day basis in the team mm-hmm. and also just a bit about your some of your key impact themes and how you're tracking against them. Yeah, so maybe I'll start with our theme. So we've got um, three three themes, um, sustainable living, health and well-being and empowering people. Maybe I'll just give an example sure. of, of each of those um, themes with a, with a company. So we've recently invested in a business called Change Foods. So um, they're working on creating cheese that looks, smells and tastes just like cheese from a cow, but that's made through precision fermentation. So you don't need cows anymore. Um, you remove the need for... Um, you know, all of the land that the cows would be on so that can be used for regenerative agriculture, um, reducing the amount of water and energy that's consumed. But you're doing it in a way that um, the consumer is comfortable to still buy the product. Um, 
and look, I'm, I'm talking in, in a future state when, when the product's on the shelves, but um, th- that's an example of a business in the sustainable living um, thematic. Um, we've also invested into a business called uh, Work 180, which is a jobs board that's trying to flip the power dynamic to enable um, really high caliber women who are looking to find meaningful work to be able to choose from employers who are committed and demonstrating that they're providing uh, female-friendly workplaces. Um, and the third category, um, empowering people. Um, oh, sorry, Becky, Work 180 fits within empowering people. Um, health and well-being, we've invested into a business called SIA. Um, SIA is a Melbourne-based uh, company and they detect epilepsy and they do it um, in, peop- in the comfort and safety of people's homes rather than in hospital and they do it really, really accurately and effectively. Um, just to give an example, so a dear friend of mine actually um, was experiencing some troubles with um, blacking out. Uh, his GP suggested he go and get checked out. It was referred to SIA. Um, it was monitored at home and as a result he was det- like detected that he had ep- epilepsy and he's had consequential um, surgery and he's, his life has completely changed as a result of this homegrown Melbourne technology. That's so, incredible. Yeah, yeah. And like it's, it's – we, we feel so grateful that we get to um, – work with founders who are innovating these incredible solutions that really genuinely do change people's lives. So do you use those sort of impact lenses as filters in a way to help sort of identify the types of um, startup founders or ideas that you want to invest in? Yeah. So um, to give you a sense of um, what our days look like, so um, we we will see about 1,300 to 1,500 companies this this financial year. Um, We... Um, the first test for us is whether there's impact that's embedded in the revenue models of those businesses. And so what, what we're trying to determine is like, is there a unit of impact for every dollar of revenue? And um, we've developed something in, in-house um, called an impact calculator that uh, draws on knowledge that um, is world-leading. So it draws on the impact management projects work around who the beneficiary of the impact is, um, what the impact is. How to how value that impact. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So um, we've developed this calculator that helps us to um, determine which businesses we're going to spend our time and attention and focus on. Um, so from from those 1,300, we end up um, investing in about five, six, seven a year. Amazing. And that's a lot. I mean, 1,300 to 1,500 even for a team your size is, is pretty extraordinary number of um, founders and companies to interact with. How much of it is inbound and how much of it is you kind of um, using your networks and finding out about great things and approaching them? Yeah, it's, it's a great question and, and it's changed over time. So maybe to give you a sense of what it looked like when we when we first started out, we're seeing about 100 deals a year. Um, the The increase in the total number of investments like is a function of a our, our brand in in the marketplace um uh we've we've spent a lot of time and energy um going in to speak at events and um you know doing podcasts like this um to to tell people um why we exist and and 
what we're hoping to achieve and who we want to support. Um, and the, yeah, the, the quantum of opportunities that we're seeing is, a, I think, um, attributable in part to that. But also in, in a more macro sense, the startup landscape has changed so much over the past 10 years. And I think it's we're moving into a stage of um, abundance. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of press about the amount of capital that's been raised in Australia, which, which is fantastic. Um, and that capital has flowed to some of the big VC firms and trickled down. But there's also other, other I think, the, the type of investor that I'm really interested in in terms of helping to create the conditions for abundance is um, and a new wave of angel investors. Mm. So these are people that may have uh, worked at, say, Atlassian or Canva and um, they've realised some sort of exit from maybe their employee shares and they're keen to give back. They're keen to pay it forward. I know a couple of people like that. Yeah. <laughs> they're the best. Yeah, they're, they're incredible because they have empathy. So individual VC individual. investors. Yeah, yeah. Because Very exciting. That, for me, I, I think what's really critical is – that they can empathise with the founder journey or they can empathise with um, being a first employee at a company, okay? And um, they're keen to help but they know when um, it's not their time to help. And that, that's hard to distinguish. Um, but what I feel is happening is that you can have um, some incredible talented people and they're surrounded by a community of people wanting them to succeed in their mission. And for me, that's that's like a really big lead indicator of some incredible startups that are going to emerge. Um, so do they have a community that supports, yeah. a supportive community around them? And, and that sort of reminds me a little bit like a, the African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child kind of, um, you know, Mentality. Definitely. There's so many analogies to be drawn yeah. between startups. And I just choose the lowest hanging fruit of whatever's around. But <laughs> I think that one works okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the total number of opportunities we see and, and um, people just seeing us at an event and, and contacting us, and, and we want people to um, to get in touch with us, uh, you know, if they're a founder, meet us early, um, get on our radar. Um, we also rely heavily on... Um, endorsements from from people that we trust uh, because, you know, at the end of the day we're, um, we're entering into a long-term relationship um, that in some cases may um, be the equivalent time period of some people's, you know, marriages or partnerships. Um, and so we, we want to make sure that we have a really good fit and, um, you know, we are making judgment calls on whether there's um, a connection, collaboration, um, but we rely heavily on other people's uh, recommendations of people's character, you know, their trustworthiness and their ability to um, to take people on the journey. You should totally sell this to Tinder or something and help them uh, <laughs> get better at arranging marriages because some of the things that you've talked about are like I wish, you know, I'm, I got lucky I've married a great woman, but I think a lot of people would love to know how trustworthy someone is from other people before they get involved with them. It's some really interesting measures in there. Yeah, yeah. Like trustworthy, trustworthiness is just a huge part of, um, of early stage investing. Do you consider trustworthiness to be the same as accountability or similar? I think I think accountability is, is um, a, an attribute that leads to trustworthiness. Mm-hmm. 
you know, some some of the other attributes, tra- transparency. So yep. um, um, just integrity, like doing what you say you'll do. Yep. Um, for us, it, it extends beyond um, me holding you to account. I think it's also you being able to hold me to account. And me picking uh, so up the, um, the bat phone if I, I need help. Yeah, yeah. So like that that for us is one of the biggest tests of the the our trustworthiness with our portfolio company founders that um, – and we don't expect this to happen on day one. Um, we think it's something that we need to demonstrate that we are trustworthy so that when times get hard for them that they can contact us and um, we can see if we can support them. You know, in some cases we can't solve all of their problems, um, but we, we're definitely there to listen and we'll do what we can. What has been some of the sort of most significant change that you've able to see in terms of helping some of your portfolio companies? Like how have you most been able to help them or the things that stand out and what you've done for them that are, have proven to be some of the things that have really helped accelerate or catalyze their journey? Um the, I'm not going to give you a direct answer that you'd want because um, every single portfolio company has different needs. Um, we, we invest in companies at, at Seed and Series A typically and the problems that they're dealing with can be starkly different. Um, and in some instances you may invest in, with a founding team that have done it before. So um, they can they can work out certain problems themselves. Um big part of the assistance that we provide our portfolio company founders is um, access to our trusted network and, and community. So that could mean um, assistance in helping them to raise capital from like-minded aligned investors. It could be helping them to hire talent. So we've helped to get people into C-suite roles and Important, important team members. Um, it could be introductions to customers and um, I could give you examples of, of where that's worked really well. Um, but I think what's also important is, is what I mentioned before about um, that example with Will Davies from Carnex Stories, connecting them to one another. Um, so being a founder can be a very lonely, lonely journey um, and sometimes it's just great to be able to talk to someone who's experiencing the same thing at that stage of life, um, your company life as you. So we've brought our founders together to do um, events where they hear from incredible speakers. Um, so founders have you know succeeded a number of times and failed a number of times, um, and we've introduced them to um, to other investors in in our network who um, are great angel investors or operators. So providing that community is 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 a really important value add as well. It's really well said. Um, let's talk a bit about Giant Leap 2.0. Mm-hmm. What is it and what does it look like from your perspective? What will it be? So for us, um, what we're always trying to do is challenge ourselves um, as to what the next stage of impact can be. So... Um, and, and this, this appears in, in different ways and maybe I'll use the framework of why, how and what. So our, our why is the same. So we get out of bed every day because we're looking to back incredible mission-driven founders using their businesses to help solve really pressing problems. So that hasn't changed between Giant Leap 1 and Giant Leap 2. Um, in terms of 
what um, as the world's moved um, and, and is, is acknowledging impact and is, um, you've got all sorts of different investors out there talking about investing in mission-driven founders as well and um, starting to look at uh, measuring impact and so on, um, we want to up the ante. So um, we are you know, committed to developing our own learning and open sourcing that learning with, with the world. So on our website, you can see our uh, impact benchmark report, which analyzes at the time the 3,400 deals we'd seen and um, trends and technologies that, that we've identified as well as an ecosystem landscape. So that's, that's, that's a tool that, that we hope will help um, educate the marketplace, um, but also um, cut down inefficiencies, say, like people can have the right conversations with the right people to unlock more change. Um, we have open sourced our portfolio impact highlights report to help people see how we measure and report and what the methodology is that, that we use for our impact reporting. Um, and we've got more initiatives to come this year. Um, and so for us, uh, we feel it's, it's incumbent on us to continually be disrupting ourselves. So you're going open source to disrupt yourself, but also show the market the way. You're being a bit of a torch wheel. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's, um, we, we feel like we can create so much change directly through our own um, deployment of capital, but the, the greatest change that we can actually create, create is to be part of the normative change in the marketplace. Let me um, red team you for one second mm -hmm. with, with this sort of weird question I was thinking about last night in bed. <laughs> Is it now anathema to be a general non-impact investor? Mm. Um, I, think, I think for me, I'm not gonna, again, I'm not going to answer your question directly. I, I'm loathe to, um, to sort of demarcate good guys and bad guys and white hat and black hat. Like I, I feel like... We're all a work in progress and we can all be better tomorrow than we were today. And I don't think we should be punishing anyone for decisions of the past uh, because, like, we've all done stuff in the past that we, we can regret. I think the main thing for us is to, um, to, to understand what our North Star is, to understand what our values are, and to always be moving in that direction. And I prefer to... Um, Focus, yeah, and, and using the torch analogy, shine a light on things that are great and what we can be inspired by and follow rather than condemning anyone. Oh, yeah, no need for condemnation. It doesn't work particularly well. Um, <laughs> but I suppose um, giving the right example is, is a much more productive way to go about it that you've honed in on, which is good. Yeah, exactly. Um, some of the companies uh, in your portfolio are tremendous. Uh, I mean, I love who gives a crap. They're in the building. Shout out to them. Applied, Kate Glazebrook, huge fan, future super, doing incredible things. How does your relationship with these companies start and how does it evolve over time? Sort of once you've got them through these raises and you've, you've helped them, they've got the capital and the advisory and support they need. When they're up and running, what does your relationship become? Yeah, it's, it's a really great question. And I think it comes back to that question that you asked previously about how, how we can help. Um, so a couple of things. First of all, um, I see our role as sprint coaches. So we um, have a role with these companies where we invest. We want to be investing early. So ideally the first 
professional capital, professional investor, institutional investor into these companies. Um, one of so to be their first believers, and um, then we follow on um, where we can. Um, you know, t- depending in a lot of cases on what the founders' preferences are, and um, we we help them move through the next stages of growth. And then then there'll come a time where there are other larger investors who are better placed to take over for um, the next stage of growth. Um, so, and, and, and we're completely comfortable that our relationship can change. But what we always want the founders to know is that they'll always be part of the Giant Leap alumni. Like, um, and what's been really incredible, Mike, is that we have Giant Leap 1 portfolio company founders who are now investors into Giant Leap 2. Oh, that's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. Um, and so we talked a little bit about how you find the right fit. I mean, uh, one thing that I've always been interested in, I'm, I'm sure you'll probably, given the tone of the conversation, not give me the answer or the answer type that I'd expect. But often I get asked the question like in identifying startups, value, opportunities, social good, is it the person or the idea that you looked look at first? Yeah, Um because because we're investing so early, so much comes down to the the founder, and it's it's hard to dis- distinguish the the idea or the founder because often the idea is um, like the solution to a problem that the founder themselves have faced. Um, so say say if you look at be applied and um, the problem that Kate and the team from the Behavioural Insights team are trying to address with inequity um, and inequality in the hiring process, it's something, it's part of their lived experience. And so the, it's very difficult to decouple. Um, and actually we, we don't want it to be deca- decoupled because um, when because that's where the passion and the energy comes from, right? So you couldn't take an idea that someone else has had, give it to another person who's skilled in different ways and expect them to succeed at bringing that to life? That, yeah, it's, it's funny, you know. Um, like transplanting brains kind of idea. Yeah, and it's, it's really funny that um, sometimes people are reluctant to share information with us because they're like, we're nervous that you'll take our idea and go execute it. And we're like, <laughs> that's not our <laughs> skill set. That's, we don't yep. have the time or energy or yep. resource to be able to do that. We, 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 we are the cheerleaders and coaches supporting people to unlock their visions. I love that. And I, I find it really funny, the assumption, like when people get really cagey about sharing ideas, it's like how would somebody even step into your consciousness and execute that idea or even like have the right – it's just so – it's so individualized how we come up with ideas and how we kind of express them and you know bring value to them. It's yeah, and 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 the word that you used like execute for us, mm. and coming back to this concept of trustworthiness, that is what we're looking for, right? Like, um, I think ideas there's a proliferation of them. It's it's very hard to execute things because you, you in a lot of cases there is behavior change and that, and that takes time. Like um, you you in a lot of cases. Um, the founders are selling. They're selling an idea to the first employees when something doesn't really exist, right? You're selling an idea to investors um, when there's just some numbers and words on a page. Um, and so at the end of the day, we, we just want people who are able to articulate a story um, to the customers that they, w- that they want to um, 
meet their needs of and um, continually create evidence and units of progress to demonstrate that um, the problem that they can solve the problem they're looking to solve. Fantastic. Let's get to you a little bit. Um, a question you asked me over lunch before that I really enjoyed was how do I manage my time? Mm. So I'm going to throw that back on you right now. Um, I, I have a lot of different tips and tricks that I've, I've learnt. Um, a few, um, one is that I do use some software, like I use a Trello board to manage, manage my time. Um, and what I try and try and do every single day is eat the frog. Have you heard of this concept of eat the frog? No. It's like, what's the most important thing that you could do today? to create the most amount of change, um, do that straight away. Otherwise, I'd just be procrastinating and like So do the big up. things first. Big things first. Yeah. And so that's a really big one. Um, and sort of for me, I use the Trello board to determine what's, what's urgent and what would be nice to do and what sort of would require like deep thinking time. Um, I also um, have basically a zero inbox policy, um, which is sort of can be difficult to maintain when I want to make sure that I honour every person that gets in touch with us. So every single founder that sends us their deck, we, we respond to them. And that's something we will um, – we have a desire to continue to do and, and like it, it gets harder over time but um, we feel that it's the right thing to do because someone's taking the risk to share, you know, their life's work with us. Um, the least we can do is um, be responsive but I try and, I try and do that with, with, with everyone. Um, it's a lot of responsibility. Someone's setting you a deck and you might have to put – you know, a decent chunk of time in mm. and I'm assuming you don't just have a quick flick through and write great work full stop back <laughs> to them. You know, you've got to f- sort of do a fairly – they're entrusting you with their dreams and aspirations. Yeah, they are. And, um, you know, we hold all of their information confidentially and um, we, 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 we treat that as being sacred. Um, very fortunate we've got like super capable and competent team, far more capable and competent than me, um, in, that have built incredible system operating systems and methodologies to deal with the volume. Um, and, you know, we stitch together a whole lot of different software um, to be able to do that as well. Um, yeah, and uh, in terms of managing managing my time, another thing that is um, a bit more hard to sort of nail down is that I, I try to follow my energy. Yeah, well, my next question was going to be how do you maintain your energy? So. Well, I'm super, super fortunate and privileged. Yeah. Like I get to do what I want to do with the people I want to spend time with every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll fill up the cup. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I have a wonderful wife. So, um, <clears throat> in terms of the end of that story of the existential crisis where it ended up, I did end up marrying my high school sweetheart and we have two beautiful children together. So I get a huge amount of, um, love, energy and support from my gorgeous family. Um, got wonderful friends um, and supportive broader family as well. Um, try and focus on sleep and um, exercise. So swimming in the bay um, is, is something that I enjoy doing. With and a wetsuit when it's required. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that got me through lockdowns. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and just just finding 
finding small moments of, of joy and like trying to be as grateful as possible because um, everything could change tomorrow. Mate, um, been fantastic talking with you. And I, I love you. I love you, the team, you know, yourself, Rachel, Adam and Charlie, you're, you're all such big personalities and big characters in your own way and different and add a lot of value to the ecosystem and just great people to have around. So just a big thank you for my end for, for being a constant part of the show and an inspiration in your own right. Um, how can people connect with you and learn a bit more about your work? So first of all, thank you so much for the honour and the privilege to be with you here today and we really admire um, that that you're a torch shining a light on on all of the incredible defiant optimists out there. It's it's just marvellous what you've done, Mike. Um, so for founders who are looking to get in touch with us, um, hit our website and send us your deck, we'll, we'll get back in touch with you. Um, we I also want to say that um, our Small Steps newsletter is a great way to keep um, on the pulse of what we're thinking about and what's important to us. So um, Charlie um, leads the production of that incredible, incredible um, newsletter and did a really great piece on climate tech um, that I encourage people to have a look at. Um, and for any investors, again, have a look at our website um, with um, – yeah, can, you can access our our information on Fund Two from the website, and yeah, that always you'll see us on LinkedIn a lot. So feel so free to say hi there. Can people hit you up on LinkedIn? You mind that? Um, you prefer email? So um, what, whatever works, whatever works okay. for people. Okay, mate. Thanks so much for coming in. Let's uh, go share this cookie. Great. Cheers, Mike. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.